You are listening to the Real Movies Podcast, a podcast about documentaries. I'm Rob Carmack. I'm sitting here with John Rhodes. How's everybody out there? Every week we watch a documentary. We talk about that documentary. We rate a documentary on a scale of 1 to 10. And today's documentary is one... We'll just, ju- we'll just jump right into this, John. It's, it's, a, it's a documentary called Sherman's March. Two years ago, I was about to begin shooting a documentary film on the lingering effects of Sherman's March on the South. I'm from the South, and all through my childhood, I heard stories about how Sherman had devastated the South. My aunt even keeps a sofa in her attic, which is punctured by sword holes put there by Sherman's soldiers as they searched for hidden valuables. She says she'll never allow the holes to be sewn up. Anyway, I'd just gotten a grant to make my film, and I stopped off in New York from Boston, where I live, to stay for a few days with the woman I'd been seeing. But when I arrived, she told me she'd just decided to go back to her former boyfriend. We argued, and then I left, and went to stay alone in a friend's studio loft, which happened to be vacant at the time. Uh, it's, it was done in 1986 by Ross and Who is on my enemies list <laughs> for the rest of my life. And, and the first time I ever saw this film, I was in college. Um, I was kind of a... a film major for as much as Baylor had a film school um and this was a this was a documentary that was kind of loved by the professors there and they threw this at us and there were mixed feelings some people liked it some people didn't and I have now I know that this might shock you Mm -hmm. but I have now seen this movie four times you know what? That's that's a lot of that's a lot of hours of your life. You're never going to get back. That's you could have spent that time with your children. You could have spent that time helping the homeless. You could have spent that time in bed sleeping. But there, which all of those would be way better than watching Sherman. And let me just say for our listening audience, last week we talked about Senate and we gave out this like spoiler warning. Like, oh man, there's some exciting stuff happens here. There is no need for a spoiler warning in this movie. <laughs> Nothing happens. Its movie is two and a half. Plus hours long, it's two hours and 36 minutes. And let me just tell you something. There is nothing to be spoiled here. No, and and the thing is, I have let enough time pass between each time that I watch it that I forget how long it is. It's so long. I forget. I, I 100% forget that it's almost a three-hour movie. This is, this is a ridiculously long – this is by far the longest documentary we've watched. Like – Oh, like by an hour. Yeah. This is the longest documentary we've watched. <laughs> and I'm just going to tell you, John, when we started this, I got t- like 10 minutes in. I saw the running time, and I'm just going to tell you, it got pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm glad that you fought through. It took me It took me over two weeks to finish this movie. Finish the movie. <laughs> because I kept giving up. In, in fact, and I, I hate to tip my hand this much early, this early on in the podcast, I seriously considered quitting the podcast just so I wouldn't have to finish watching this movie. <laughs> oh, no! I love doing this podcast, John. Oh. But there was a moment that when I hit about the one-hour mark that I thought, maybe I just shouldn't be doing this podcast. That this is what it's come to. Maybe maybe I should maybe I should like take up golf. Okay, well, <laughs> well, I suggested this movie because it is 
so different than anything that we've ever done. It, and, it, de- it definitely is. And it offers a completely different side of the documentary. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that... I think it was Winnebago Man that I referenced somebody Sherman marched. Yes. Their, yeah, yeah. their documentary. They started down one path and then took a huge veer. When I said that, I didn't know when and how long it would be until we watched Sherman's March. Yeah. But this is like Sherman's March does that in a way that no other documentary, not even <clears throat> Winnebago Man didn't really do that. I just said it was kind of it was kind of Sherman marching it, right? Yeah. Like it kind of started with one thing and then took a quick turn to something else. Yes. And I don't remember how far you got into the description before I interrupted you with my, um, my snarky quips. Yeah. But basically, yeah, this guy this guy sets out to chronicle the, the General Sherman's march through the South um, during the Civil War. And he ends up making a two and a half hour long documentary about his failed love life. Yes. And why he can't. Find love. Yes, and that actually sounds kind of interesting. Like I was a bit excited to watch this movie. It was so freaking boring. Like I, <laughs> the, the cardinal, and I've, I've said this before. The cardinal sin a documentary can do is sag and be boring and, and not not get to the point and not make some sort of like forward motion headway kinds of things. This entire two and a half hour long thing. Has no motion. Like the only, mo- yeah. I mean, all, the, all the only motion you can say is like he he goes to different towns and meets yeah. different women. Like that's <laughs> the only. And his like former teacher berates him for not having children. I know that was so interesting. <laughs> like that was so weird. Their, when, their relationship is so bizarre. When when he has this old teacher and she is so formal with him and she's really, I don't know if she's more like a mother figure or like an aunt or something but she is so preoccupied with getting this guy married and just he has got to settle down and get married and have some babies yeah it's it's amazing and she goes through and she introduces him to this girl which is so weird that they get introduced because if you would think okay i know these two really wonderful people and i'm gonna hook them up you would probably need to know a little bit more about them than they're both single. Single. Because yeah. the girl is a very strict Mormon. <laughs> That's and the, this is the only part of the whole movie that amused me, is that yes. she, she set him up with a Mormon. <clears throat> yes. And it didn't go well. Right. And I mean, and well, what, what weirded me out was like they spent weeks together before, not weeks, but they spent multiple dates together. Yeah. Before they figured that out. And I'm like, <laughs> you didn't know this from the beginning? Like, you thought this might go somewhere, and you're looking for a strong Mormon guy, and you didn't ever think to ask him, hey, are, are you not Mormon? Yeah, if this is on your major list of criteria, I might want to figure it out in the first, like, conversation. Yes. But but also, like, when it, when it didn't work out, the only line in the whole movie that I remember and kind of chuckled at was when the, the lady, I don't remember her name, but the former teacher who's all in his business, she, she says, well, don't worry, this next girl, she's not a Mormon. She's perfect for you. In fact, she sleeps around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she sleeps around. That, that was, that line made me laugh, which at because at that point we're past the two hour mark and at that point I thought oh thank god something funny just happened and so I just it it was like breathing for the first time alright you and I are really close to the same age and we were born in the 80s but we did not have the same kind of like 
consciousness of what was politically going on in the we, 80s. We weren't, we were not part of that culture. No. We were, we, we were, I, I, or at least I, I was oblivious. And so there was part of this that was kind of the end of the Cold War and, and so many people in his movie are legitimately scared and threatened with the, the attack of a nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm. Right, and I don't know anybody today because we're about his age now, right? Yeah. Like I don't sit around and go, I think, I think we may have a nuclear attack. Like we may be attacked by the Russians or by somebody. Like you know, there's all of this energy talk about shutting down these um, these nuclear power plants in his movie, and a lot of people now are like, maybe we should restart the nuclear power plants up for clean, renewable, not renewable, but um, a cleaner source of energy, right? And so, I mean, just the attitude and the difference between then and now and what there was, I mean, he goes to survivalist camps and has people shooting just different things and guns and all kinds of stuff. I mean, he interviews some really kind of Bizarre people. He does like a lot of a lot of the interviews he finds is even the girls he becomes interested. Yeah. in are so strange and like I mean really this this movie is so weird and it's so yeah it, it, yeah the the people he finds the interview are very weird. the one girl that he really I think liked the most was the scientist that lived on the island in. Um, out in Georgia, and it was like a government island. Like yeah. nobody could go there unless you had a special like research, research grant, or if you had a pass, or you had something. And and so he went there, and he lived, and they lived in like tree houses with mosquito nets. There were bugs everywhere, and they had to do everything like by hand. And so he has this. On one hand, he has moved from the south to the north, and he lives in Boston. And he lives that life. But then he still has this affinity for these, like, crazy Southerners. Yeah. Like, he visits Stone yes. Mountain. I remember yeah. is one place he goes. And that's, I mean, that's kind of a, a racist monument. Yeah. <laughs> and so, in, in outside of Atlanta, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Well, and there's also a, there is a, um, a really interesting scene where he talks to his mechanic. And he's having this discussion with the mechanic and just talking about, you know, how they grew up knowing each other and the mechanic is black. And his his son is there and they talk about <clears throat> the mechanic losing his wife to cancer. And then Ross talks about he, he lost his own mother to cancer. And there's, you know, this bond between them and they seem to be, you know, really good friends. And then he goes and he talks to these girls right after and these girls have some very red hot opinions that you're just like whoa these are some pretty racist girls you know and i think he put them back to back on purpose i think not only is he talking about his love life but he's trying to give you a piece of this is where i lived this is how i grew up and this is who i was and there was this huge dynamic between the rich white southern aristocrat um kind of cotillion daughters of the confederates kind of thing and this i'm a real person that that i'm okay with um i'm okay with minorities i'm okay with black people i'm okay with 
all of this other stuff, and he kind of lives in this world that is torn between the two. Mm-hmm. So, well, you you got a lot more. I can already tell you've gotten a lot out of this movie, and I got none of that. Right. Like, well, I, I mean, I got, all I saw like there's this whole segment where he like films a girl roller skating. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And I'm like, oh my gosh, is she still roller skating? Yes, and she's doing her cellulite exercises. Yes. Oh my god! When she says, "I'm doing my cellulite exercises," I'm thinking, "That's disgusting! Stop doing yeah, why that!" Why are you? And there's a there's a camera. You understand how cameras work? Yes. I mean, I realize it's 1986, but still. And she's like, "I should have worn panties." <laughs> and, and then later on, he's like, "Maybe I should have been more aware when she gave me the comment about should have worn panties." Like, I thought there were some parts where his commentary was that was kind of like, funny. like he said, <laughs> "That's a missed opportunity." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if a girl's going to tell you that, she probably wants something done. That, um, but you know what's weird? Like I, I was looking up reviews of this movie. People freaking love this movie. It got like I found two separate reviews that used the word magical. In describing Sherman's March, I, I feel like this is... I, and I try and be really open-minded with film. Like, I, I see a lot of weird movies, and I try and find some sort of value. I got nothing. I'm <laughs> telling you, John, I got nothing at all out of this movie. I feel like this is The Emperor Wears No Clothes. Like, I, I'm like, why do you people like this movie so much? I don't understand it. All right, well, and and I, I totally get that, because this is one of those that... I don't think this got Oscar buzz, but sometimes, you know how there's movies that get Oscar buzz, and then... They're just crappy movies, but everybody's uh, like, oh my gosh, it's the greatest movie ever. It's art. Because, yes. Yeah. Um, I think this would probably be liked by the same people, right? Yeah. Like, I think this is one that – and it's also one that I will say after having discussions about it in class and after having watched it multiple times, I definitely have more of an appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is – this is an acquired taste. This this documentary is an acquired taste. Well, I spent a lot of time with it, and that's a taste I never exactly acquired. see. And here's the thing: like sometimes I always wonder why does something need to be an acquired taste? Like if you know you don't like it, why do you keep going back to it? Mm-hmm. But I found there was something about this movie that I kept going back to, and then it hooked me, and I kind of. I kind of liked it. That's interesting. Well, there, yeah. there are certain things in my life that were acquired taste. Like, I, I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. That took yeah. a long time. And so, like, and I feel like that's an acquired taste. There are certain, like, TV shows that I've had to watch for a while before I really got hooked in. And I'm glad I did. Yeah. Everything in my life that has been an acquired taste, it has rewarded me for, like, pro- more than something I liked instantly. It probably has rewarded me more for staying with it and, and for committing to trying to like it in a real way. Um I, that's never going to happen for me with this movie. I'm, I'm, I never ever want to spend another minute watching this movie. <laughs> like I'm trying not to be too hyperbolic here, but I I hated this movie worse than I hated Troll Two. Oh wow, that's a lot for, for, for the single reason <laughs> that it's so much longer. Yeah, that it took an extra hour out of my life. At least Troll Two was considered enough to be done in an hour and a half. <laughs> Oh, and and this movie like took the, and back if you think about it, we spent as much time watching this movie as we did watching Troll Two and Best Worst Movie. That's true, we did. That's unbelievable. <laughs> like I, I just, oh, I mean, I, I I can't just. I mean, it wouldn't be good radio for me to just sit here for however long we have and just talk about how much I hated it. It's just I, I have nothing else to say about this movie other than I really hated this movie. So much, and I, I was just—I hate being bored watching movies. Yeah. You know, like to me, that's 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 the capital sin. Any any piece of any medium can commit. I, I feel like 
if a preacher is boring, I'm out. If a movie is boring, I'm really out. And this movie was more boring than any. And, and also, at least Troll Two wasn't boring. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's that's the thing. Is this movie just straight up bored the crap out of me for and a long time? For a really long time, it is. It's and again, it's because there's extended scenes of like girls roller skating or people sunbathing or like going up the going up the lift. To Stone Mountain and filming outside the window yeah. while he rides the. This movie needed to be edited so much. Like there, I, and I, I kept thinking, if this guy went back to the editing, and I realized that because this is perceived as a magical masterpiece or whatever, this would be you know considered sacrilege. But if if someone were to take this movie and cut it down to about eighty eight minutes, I feel like it would be not only watchable, it would probably be pretty interesting. It ain't. Yeah, it, it, they they didn't do that. At least at least in my from my perspective. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it is a long movie. It is a really long movie, and when I started watching this movie, I again I'd forgotten how long the movie was, and I just pulled it up, pushed play, and started watching it. And I had some things that I told my wife that I had to do, and I start thinking, okay, this movie's this movie's gonna wrap up pretty quick. No, it still get it done. No, I don't even care didn't. what time marker you're. And, it's not wrapping up. And I realized, oh, holy cow! I've got to like, I've got to rush so much to get everything that I said that I would get done finished because this took an hour and a half longer than I thought it was going to take. Oh. <laughs> an hour and a half. Think. I mean, think about that. You could have watched a whole other movie. I know. I know. <sighs> and but I mean, there there was part of me that. I was interested in some of the character. I mean, some of the crazies that were on here. Some of the people. Everybody had a like. Everybody that he interviewed had like these survivalist storage shelters and mm-hmm. things like that. And I mean, even the Mormon girl had all of that stuff packed away. She was really into. Oh, we have to have all the bottled water, and we have to have all of this other stuff, and. You know, if if a nuclear bomb attacks us, yeah. you know, or hits us, and um, the the girl that um, had to get out of the South and move away because she knew that all she would ever do is protest the nuclear site that was near them. Yeah, it, it really, and, and that is, and like I said, there, there's some interesting things to be found throughout the movie where you yeah. think if this was a part of a more well constructed film. That <laughs> this would be actually and like the cultural insanity of the Cold yeah. War era. That's interesting. I'm fascinated by that. But it was it was embedded so deeply in this really long, boring stretch that I just by the time it got to those interesting things, I just didn't even care. Like honestly, yeah. Because like like you say, like there's interesting stuff to be found throughout. It's just like you can't you can't beat me up for an hour and a half and then expect me to be interested in something you have to say at an hour and forty five. Well, you know? and and you know from a psychological standpoint. Like, I know that that was, like, his thing is making movies and making documentaries. Mm -hmm. But when he turns this to his life, there is something that is really unhealthy about him going around and filming everything. And everything has to be filmed. And even the the teacher that he has kind of calls him on it. And she's like, put the camera down and have a conversation. This is real life. This isn't a movie. This isn't your stupid art. Like yeah. that's what she tells him, and and he's like, no, I he, this is 
I have to I have to preserve this. If you want me, you're I'm the camera is a part of me. Yeah. That and yeah. So I mean there is something there is something there that I don't know, I keep digging deeper into who is Ross McElwee. And good for you for that, because I yeah, I have summarily dismissed him altogether. Although I mean I kept thinking like this would be this would be a, in another medium. I, I think this about every once in a while when we're watching a documentary, I keep thinking if someone had chosen a different medium to present this in, this would be a lot more interesting. Like I feel like Ross McElwee would be a really interesting character in a novel. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I feel like if like a J.D. Salinger type writer w- were able to take this and kind of get inside his head and sort of narrate this as he goes and sort of in a no- in novel format, yeah. I feel like that would be a really compelling novel. You know what I mean? But here it's he's, he's telling his own story – and he's not editing it. And, and this, to me, more than anything yeah. else, th- this to me showed how crucial an editor is to a documentary film. Yes. And so, like, if, if nothing else, like, I, I am so thankful. I, I will, when I watch the Academy Awards next year, I'm going to, I'm going to pay really close attention to who wins the best editing award. Because yeah. God bless them <laughs> for knowing how to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, this is definitely the... Kind of you love it, you hate it camp. Almost, it's, it's it's polarizing for sure. Yeah, there is not, there's not a lot of people that were like, yeah, I saw it. It's all right. You know, no. I think that <laughs> you're either going to be like, this was this was really cool and beautiful, or this is not. This and you, is just, I assume you're in the the I, former. I'm, camp. Yeah, and I would probably say I'm the closest to the. It's all right. Like I, I did like it. Mm-hmm. Um, the more I watch it, the more I individual like I, I really kind of analyze each girl and who she is and what she is in in relationship to Ross, in relationship to who he is and what he is, and and kind of see it through those lenses. Yeah, um, and kind of what he's really trying to say about each of these. I mean, he has there's there are times where I mean I. Granted, this was in the middle of the 80s, so um, looks are always subjective, right? And in the middle of the 80s, there is a lot to be subjective about. What was beautiful then is not necessarily beautiful now. Um, But it seemed to me like he kind of bounced back between really good-looking dumb girls and not-as-attractive smarter girls. Mm -hmm. And he was trying to wrap his head around... Do I want somebody that looks good or do I want somebody that engages me? Mm-hmm. And he was going back and forth and back and forth trying to figure out who he wanted to spend his life with or who you know kind of did it for him in, in that manner. And you know, I don't know. I always kind of got sad. Not that you know, I, I'm sure none of these girls would like to hear that they were ugly or are ugly, um, but. It got, I, I got sad. Well, yeah, they probably aren't listening to a podcast if they're dumb. Uh, <laughs> None of the girls in the documentary yeah. listen to this podcast. No, but you know, I mean, there's there's the the girls that were not so smart that were kind of I don't know. I, I was sad that he was choosing kind of the good looking girls over that were t- clearly just airhead bimbos, mm. like the actress. The roller the, skating the actress. The roller skating actress. I was so done with her. Yes. Like, and was... I was like, are you seriously interested in this girl? Like, <laughs> has some of the things that she has said, when she described the movie that she wanted to make 
to you. Do you remember that? Oh, I do. I was like, this movie would be worse than Troll 2. It'd be worse than Sherman's Mark. Yeah. <laughs> she wants to go to another planet, and then her head, her severed head, comes back to Earth to tell people to love each other. Like, this whole, this crazy screenplay that she has written... Like, at that point, if I had a girl on a date tell me that, mm-hmm. I'd be like, you know what? This just isn't going to work out. You're, you're kind of uh, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, that movie's going to suck, and you're not a very good actress, and I don't care how pretty you are, I'm out. Well, the thing like, is, that, that movie's never getting made, and you live yeah. in such a delusional little world of your own that you're not only do you believe this movie's going to be made, you're willing to just... Like, plot it out for me, scene by scene. Yeah. I'm so interested in this dumb, idiotic idea you've got. I, I went to a, a writer's conference last year, and, you know, writer's conferences are filled with writers. Every yeah. writer has a book to sell. And so, like, you're, you're – so I spent a lot of my time at this conference, like, listening to people pitch their books. Man, I heard some bad ideas. I don't know that any of those ideas were as bad as her severed head. Yes. Like, that were – it was just that, – that's, that's a truly bad idea. Oh. And so – I don't know. There there are very few things that annoy me more than stupid girls that <laughs> that try to just live life on their looks. I I got real done with her real fast in this movie. Like the the roller skater actress doing her her lunges. And and I think it goes to show you what some guys will put up with <laughs> for for sex, like seriously, like that. This guy was like, yeah, as long as she's not talking, she's she's pretty. But the thing is, she's always talking. Yes, when she ain't roller skating or doing lunges, she's talking. Yeah, and then was- thinks that all she needs to do is go meet Bruce Willis or not Bruce Willis, Burt um, Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Yes, all she <laughs> needs to do is meet Burt Reynolds, and and then her life will be met, just made. Yeah, it's. I mean, I feel like this is a movie. Yeah, just a lot of delusional types of discussion here. Well, let's move into positives and negatives. I positives for me were just the dynamic and and his personal struggle. Like he is trying to find himself as a person because I mean you can tell. Like there are times within the movie that he goes back to the original Sherman March idea, mm-hmm. and he intentionally left those in the movie. Like. Because like, he didn't edit the Yeah, movie. that's true. He turned on his camera, he hit record, he turned off his camera, there's no editing involved here. But but he's he's sitting here and you can tell he's like, I had a job that I was supposed to do and my job was supposed to be make this document this historical Ken Burnsian oh, documentary. Yeah, you know what? Somebody gave him money. I read like someone gave him a massive grant to make this movie. Yes. How angry must that guy have been who wrote that check? Well, and I think I think he refers a couple of times to Daddy being one of those people well. that gives money, and because he had to justify what he did to his own, like what he shot that day to his own father, and so I think he was literally showing his dad like these clips, these little segments of like him on the bank talking about Sherman, but they just got kind of thrown in here. Yeah. So I mean, some of this is just who Ross is as a person. He has this agenda. To find love, but at the same time, he feels like he has this obligation to finish this documentary or to do this documentary about Sherman's march through the South. And it's, I mean, I don't know. It is, you can tell that he is, he is so torn and 
he is really just trying to find who he is as a person. And so that I respect. That I look at and I say, okay, uh, there is some validity to this. Like there are a lot of people out there who are lost, who don't know what they're doing with their life, who can't figure things out. And he just happened to capture all of his on film, mm-hmm. almost his entire life on film, because that's how long it took. Yes. Um, but I had know, a full beard by the time. Yeah, <laughs> he was his his beard is uh, a, a nice beard it's, too. It's a good beard. Yeah. He's got a good beard. But um, that's what I liked about the movie was that it was it was a lot of times what I think people are thinking and how they go through life, but are really it's really hard to capture. Yeah. And he captured it of himself. He was able to put himself out there, turn it into a documentary, and say, look, we're all just trying to find somebody in this world to love. And no matter what we're doing or what we are, like some of us invest into work and some of us invest into relationships, but nobody knows how to do this. Nobody knows how to do it right. And, and here's me screwing it up. Dude. That is way more interesting than anything I saw in this movie. That, and, you know, and, and I like a good existential quest as much as the next guy. But, I mean, and and, I, and some of the characters were fairly compelling, but I have very few. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're shocked. I, I have very few positive things <laughs> I to know, say about this movie. I know. And, and, but there, I mean, like I said, I feel like in the hands of a really skilled editor, something something really compelling and inter- and could have been made from this. And I mean, obviously, several hundreds of people, thousands of people, probably would argue with me that something compelling was made out of this. Uh, it not, I, I did not see the same movie that those people saw. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, if I if I'm going to give any sort of positive, I'm going to say he found some interesting people to talk to. And in the hands of a better director and editor, he would have gotten some interesting footage. Yeah. In my opinion. Let's talk negatives. All right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, the length is, is here. I mean, sometimes just uh, I saw way too much of people that I didn't really care about anymore. Like, he stayed too long on certain people to where they went from interesting to obnoxious. Obnoxious. Yeah. Uh, interesting to obnoxious is a good way to put it. Yeah. And the one lady that keeps taking him out to the, the survivalist camp mm-hmm. with those guys who are like, we're going to shut this place down. We're going to live on our own. They're anti-government. They're all that. That's, you know, if you're interested in somebody that is, is seriously thinking about moving out to a place like that, then, I mean, that's that's like one step away from David Koresh. Yeah. Like, those guys were kind of nutso. Yeah, I feel like this movie is a documentation of someone who makes really bad choices. And I'm speaking of Ross, because yeah. he chooses to go and hang out with these women. And yeah. he, you know, I mean, and so, and basically he just chronicles this couple weeks in his life where he just makes really, really terrible choices. And we get to see it. But, yeah, so, so the negatives for you were the... I mean, yeah, I think that obviously the link, and then, then when he, he almost ruins certain characters... He takes them from interesting subjects to obnoxious people. Yeah, I'd say I mean, I'd say honestly that that to me is the major complaint is that he just he doesn't understand that that he's got to he's got to pare some of this stuff down. He's got to get to the point and move on in order to make you know a a more compelling fast paced documentary. And so and a, and a lot of it is just because like you said we spend about a minute with any of these characters and we're thinking. Okay, I mean that's that's interesting. And then after ten or fifteen minutes with each of these characters, you think, I I, I would have 
if I was hanging out with this person, I would have come up with an excuse to, to leave. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe that's what he's trying to get at. Maybe he's trying to show us like any any time spent with anybody over you know over a period of time, you begin to find reasons to to pull away. Maybe, maybe that's the point yeah. he's trying to make. And you could you could argue that he's making that point. I just don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's just the thing. I mean, I can find, I can, I can mine this and find some sort of value, but I feel like I'm just forcing it. And right. I just, as as I watched it, I just never ever wanted to see it again. I just wanted it to be done. You know, I, I on my on my iPhone, I have a thing where I can hit double speed and I can listen to like podcasts or radio shows at double speed if they're going too slow, like NPR or whatever. I wish there was a button on my Netflix. That provided because I don't feel like I would have lost anything. I feel like I would have I would have gained about an hour of my life back. Yeah. So, um, but I'm glad. I mean, I'm glad we watched this movie because I feel like it is sort of an iconic. Like you talk about people talk about you Sherman's marching, you know, yeah. documentary about hijacking one idea for another, and, and, and so I feel like this is this is in the canon of documentaries that you need to be able to talk about documentaries. So it's important. I feel like that we watched it. But man, am I glad this is over. This is yeah. it's like getting a tetanus shot. I'm just glad it's over. With. This was, the reason that I suggested this movie is because I felt like it was one of those that you got to kind of see this type of day. If we're going to talk about documentaries, if that's going to be what we do, there needs to there is a place out there for this kind of documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not one that I suggest that I would recommend to everybody. This yeah. is not a man when I. When when I talk to people about documentaries and they ask me, they're like, "Oh, what's a good documentary?" I never lead with Sherman's March. That, that like, would be a good prank. Sherman's like, oh, March. Man, you gotta watch Sherman's yeah. March. <laughs> <laughs> I told totally watch Sherman's March. Well, <laughs> Sherman's March is is one of those that you kind of need to discover on your own. And man, do you need to be in the right mood to see it too? Because this is not one that if you're looking for you know a fun date night or a, a romantic comedy or a you know, action movie that you should sit down and watch. This is one that if you're into art films and you've got three hours to kill, go for it. But So on that note, what, 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 what rating would you give Sherman? I, honestly, I think I would sit there at the five mark because there are things that I would – I mean I can't recommend it to everybody, so I'm not going to rate it over what I've rated some other. But then there is, there is I think – there is something about this that I kind of hold dear, so I'm putting it right in the middle right. at a five because of a love-hate relationship. Like, there are things that I love about it, things that I hate about it, so it goes right in the middle. There is no rating low enough. <laughs> there is no number that describes how much I didn't like this movie. I'm, I'm going to give it a zero, but only because there's no number... Less than zero. You're gonna you're gonna rate it like Michael Ian Black rated yogurt. I if this weren't a family friendly <laughs> podcast, I probably would. I I want. I mean, I could just say this movie gets a a rating of turd. Okay. Like in, in my mind, that that's probably about as far as I can go with that. It's just it's evil. Yeah, I feel like maybe that's the rating it gets. Evil. Oh my gosh. I uh, yeah. Don't it, yeah. I I'll, I never ever want to see this movie again. I, I gave it I gave it one star on Netflix just so just so the Netflix algorithm will know. Do not recommend movies like this to me ever. <laughs> and, and so, um, yeah, it's just I I hated it. If you want to see Sherman's March though, you can stream it on Netflix. Yes, it's there. Um, now, granted, there is a, a History Channel documentary on Sherman's March that also goes by Sherman March. That is not the one that we watched. We watched the 1986 Ross McElwee Sherman's March. You mean there's actually that, a documentary that explains what Sherman's March yes, was? Yes, there is. And on right. Netflix, if you search 
If you go into the search button, they both come up because they're both titled Sherman's March. Wouldn't it be terrible if I got here and I watched the wrong one? Yeah. <laughs> I did think ready, about that. And you were ready to talk about the actual Civil War thing. And I was like, well, I watched this two and a half hour long thing about this guy who like couldn't get a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, I mean, when I saw that they both popped up, I was like, man, I hope Rob didn't watch the History <laughs> Channel. <laughs> man, my life would be better if I had. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, all that to say, that's it for us. Yeah. And what's the name of the next film we're watching? Um, Marwin Call. Very excited about that. Yes. Marwin Call is... We have nowhere to go but up. Yeah. I think that you'll be... I, I hope you'll be pleasantly surprised by Marwin Call. Well, I just... I, I feel like I need a palate cleanser is what yeah. I need. I feel like I need King of Kong, even though that's that's coming. Very that's soon. coming, yes. But uh, we'll do Marwin Call next. And so... Until until we talk about Marwan Call John, we will see you next week. See you next week. Don't you-